0: Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: I'm Laura Sanko, and I am here for Room Service Diaries with Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell, and I am pumped to be here, man. I'm excited. I've seen this show, always wanted to be on it, so... Got the VIP treatment today. Hi, you How
2: are nice you? Come on, good bring it in. How are you? You know, you know this, Jabroni. I do.
1: I always forget you? It's a pleasure. Thank both of you are in person. Well, what I know about Luke and Brian is that they are some of the best minds in this sport.
2: <laughs> what are you doing?
1: I mean, they're just, they're just good guys. They like having a good time. I have no idea what to expect from this, honestly, even though I've watched some of the Room Service Diary shows. i was a little
0: concerned fuck. about your lack of discretion. Oh, Jesus, fuck. Man,
1: this well, is nothing like what I thought it would look like. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: yeah it's even sadder. No,
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> you never know. I mean, these two are a little bit of a wild card. They can take it any direction they want, and I'm, I'm game. Let's do it.
0: Do you, know, you have any uh, plane changes, strategies you want to you know, instilled before this? No, I have absolutely zero guys. Did
2: they get the photos I've already? I got my
1: Dahmer glasses
0: You know, I, I I try to live my life a quarter mile at a time. Is this the doctor or is this <laughs> the, <or> the side? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out.
1: What you're talking about yeah, is this. Is, it's this couch is Dude, weird. we
2: won time. She's a fighter, she is a YouTube star, she's an analyst, she's of many things, including the first lady of the Contender series. And now she joins us in our pathetic studios. For a conversation She's a professional about it. Official broadcaster, Luke. Okay. Official broadcaster. It's Laura Sanko, everyone. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss Army Knife. How are you doing, Laura? I'm
1: doing great. You could not look any bigger than you do right now. Yeah,
2: they do this to me. They fuck with me here on the show. And I want them all to die. Don't and want you I, all to I've, know.
1: i I forget how tall but really both of you. I forget how tall both of you are. Yeah. Because I'm just used to seeing your little heads. Uh, yep. On screen, yeah, that's then... my
0: superpower—to project fat and weak on the camera, <laughs> and then you know, project tall and weak, but you know, upon. Uh... But
1: he's really taken over the shot. But I like it. I like it. It's your—it's yeah. I mean, your show.
2: Uh, we are here. It's UFC 281 Fight Week. What they got you doing this week?
1: Uh, a little bit of everything, as usual. I've got the weigh-in show tomorrow, which that's absolutely one of my favorite things to do. I love that show. I feel like it's kind of the first time I've been able to. I don't know, let my personality loose a little bit. And then on fight night, I'll be backstage doing quick hits, which is like the kind of a social media behind-the-scenes interviews with the winners and celebrities and stuff like that. So I'm a
2: little surprised because I don't know if it's an ESPN call or a UFC call or a combo of both. And we'll talk about more of the, the commentary. I'm surprised they don't have you on the desk in between. Yeah. Have there been any discussions about there have, that?
1: There have. I think I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to be a thing. A lot of it was scheduling, so like the the quick hits – Is an important property for them. And they really, Dane in particular, really likes me doing it. So um, it's kind of, it was a thing that he started with me in mind. And then I would love to, you know, do the ESPN desk when I can. It's just a little conflict of schedule, but we're working, we're working around it, Luke.
2: Yeah. Well, I I got to say, the last, like, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like the last four years or so, they've been good years for you. Right. They have. I think, would you say it's about 2018 where the worm started to turn?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I definitely think contender series was the turning point for me. In fact, a lot of people think that that's where I started and it's not, you know, obviously there, I was working um, the backstage Fox stuff before then for the UFC. And then of course, Invicta before that. So it really wasn't my start, but the fact that most people think it is, will tell you how big of a turning point it was for me.
2: And how have, I mean, how's it been? Like, tell me what, tell me how your life is different now, if if you can say (laughs) something like that.
1: It's weird. I mean, I just never, I sometimes have to sit back and pinch myself, even sitting here, honestly. Like, I, not that long ago, really not that long ago, I was a fan at home, scheduling my entire social life around when the next pay-per-view UFC event was going to be, because they were not that frequent.
0: That's our lives right there.
1: Yeah, they were not that frequent, and like, you try to figure out, okay, what bar is showing it? get all my friends together. So it's, it really is wild to, to see, um, I don't know, just to see what I've been able to carve out in the last couple of years. But sometimes it takes these moments for me, like to sit back and really look at it. Cause I'm such a, what's next, what's next person.
0: Yeah. And, but you've, you've made not just uh, dramatic movements, which we're impressed by. And we, we congratulate you because it's not an easy business, not an easy business to navigate. You've stuck to your guns of who you are, a fighter, somebody that understands the game, and now you're not the first female uh, analyst in UFC history, because didn't we have one at UFC 1? Kathy, Kathy Long. Kathy Long, so the, you know, that was day one, but it has been a long time. Yeah. You've made a leap in that direction, so you know, I'm not like, how does it feel to be a pioneer? But really, yeah. how does it feel to, to represent something a little bit bigger than just, hey, your career is going in a great direction at the moment?
1: It's cool. I, I have a hard time using that word for myself, um, but I always appreciate what other people do. <laughs>
2: it's, it's certainly pioneering work, it's, right?
1: You know, I, th- I think for people who don't understand, and you guys certainly do because you're in this business, I think for people who don't understand the very distinct lanes that, that uh, exist in television, maybe they don't get how difficult it was for
2: me to switch lanes. Yeah, explain what that means, lanes. So w-
1: when I say lanes, you know, there are there are well-trained broadcasters um, that Quite often, and, and, and I'll, I'll even go so far as to say most of the time when you have a female who went to broadcasting school, she'll become a reporter or a host or an anchor. And it's sort of that that person has the TV chops, they are excellent at the flow of the conversation, um, and they usually went to school for this. And then you've got the rest of us who hopefully are there to hear our opinion. So to take me, so that's the, your color commentators and your analysts, usually people who have an intimate knowledge of the sport or have something to say that people want to hear. So to go from, you know, a reporter who very much looks like she should be a reporter to finding a way to have a voice in the sport and just trying to get people to listen to it and respect it. And I, I, I know I tell you this all the time, but I feel like I have to say it again. Like
2: you don't, it's okay. I'm
1: gonna, I'm (laughs) gonna both of you guys. uh, But you in particular, like, You were one of the first, if not the first person to publicly and outright say, wow, Laura Sanko has got smart things to say about MMA. And it wasn't just, hey, she's cute or she's, you know, she's got a bubbly personality or whatever. It meant so much to me when you, when you said that. In fact, I like, I remember like laying in bed and I, I clipped it and I showed it to my husband and I posted it because it was, it was a big deal and it's, it's taken um, a lot of time to get to get that that momentum and that ball rolling. Like, hey, she's not just this reporter lane because the reporters, it's a really tough job. Like- Megan is so good at what she does.
2: When, when, she, when they when they time those walkouts huh. and she ne- I cannot. It's that's, incredible. that's walking a tightrope. Yeah, walking a tightrope. That's like roller skating incredible. and
0: then taking information down over the phone at the same time. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: it, honestly, she and John Annick have the hardest jobs when it comes to fight night. Megan O'Leary, John Annick, I mean, they get my applause all day long. It is an incredibly difficult job. Uh, same thing with the desk host. It's, it's a really tough skill yeah. set.
0: They're all different flexings of the muscles but to touch on what you feel like you kind of overcame we can't you know we weren't the same journey we're not females it's a different but you know we're ex-reporters you know non-fighters yeah who to some degree are looked at for our analysis you know i call boxing fights luke does along with me luke's been one of the leading you know non-fighting analysts in the game but somebody who obviously knows his shit so I think we can at least relate on when you finally feel like you have a little bit of credibility. Mm -hmm. It does mean more than the the money, the followers, the, the, you know, at at that point when, when you get that credibility and you got it right away because you could do the job, but you know, that, that really matters, you know? It does. That's fuel. It
1: does. And I remember like, I remember sitting next to whether it be Paul or DC or Bisping calling fights. And I would definitely have these moments in my head where I'm like, "Holy fucking shit! I'm calling fights with Daniel Cormier. Like, d- does anyone like? Are they sure I should be here? You know, I know I should be there, and I know I have uh, things to say. But there's also that that there's a little bit of imposter syndrome that that creeps in yes. now and then that I that I really have to battle. But at the end of the day, uh, I know that they they respect me sitting there. It took a while. It it took a lot of stuff like behind the scenes. Getting their respect and not demanding it—you know what I mean? Like it, it, it took a long time of just sort of being one of the guys. If that makes any sense.
0: Oh yeah, Ooh. it also takes time to block the haters, as Luke knows. I mean, he'll block people for looking at him the wrong way <laughs> on, on social. Yeah, media. I don't, I don't tolerate fools gladly. Yeah, they never people. will. Yeah. Um,
2: what was the turning point? What was the? What was? Was there a moment or a thing that somebody in position of power saw that was like, okay, let's give her a shot.
1: This is a great story, um, and I have to give credit. To this entire, everything that we're talking about, I really have to give credit to Dana. And I know that that makes me sound like a total homer and people already, you know...
0: It make makes up. you sound like Michael Chandler, but I get it. Okay? <laughs> yeah,
1: like, I I, I I understand that. But, so, it was the first the first year of Contender Series. And he doesn't always wear his uh, earbuds. In fact, he usually doesn't during Contender Series because he just wants to watch the fights and not be influenced by commentary. Um and for whatever reason, he threw his earbuds in and like in the middle of the show, he got up from his spot and came in the back and I was absolutely fucking terrified. I thought I was getting fired for some reason because there were a couple times where when I went to announce those winners and I'm not an announcer, didn't come out so great. So I thought it was like, we're done with you. But he came back and he just goes, you know how he is. He's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> you really know your shit. And I was like, yes, sir, thank you, I do. And he's like, he goes, literally everything, he's like, look at my notes, literally everything I wrote down is what you asked them. And I was like, yeah, I know. I like I like talking about the fight, not just the storylines. He's like, I'm gonna watch you, you know? And then I don't know if it was that week or not long thereafter, I, I always knew I could do more. Like I always knew I could do more than, relay information that was given to me which is largely what being a reporter in the ufc on camera is it's again very difficult but like i wanted to have an opinion and i wanted to have thoughts and so i got a little bit drunk one night after the contender series oh, i was shit. in my in, ro- in my room <laughs> and i was like you know what okay i'm just gonna dm dana and so I was like, "Hey, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, like for putting me on this show. It's been amazing. I fucking love it. And just so you know, like one day, I will be the UFC's first female commentator." Nice. I was I had to have been hammered because like who does that? I've been I've been with your company <laughs> a year and a half now. I had one professional <laughs> fight in Invicta. But I was just like Fuck it! I know I can do this, and I sent it to him, and and I I don't I think I immediately regretted it, but like he it was like three o'clock in the morning, and he responded. He's like, I believe you, and that was the end of the conversation.
0: Okay, that's a good. It wasn't response. like I a. I like I know. I know. That, it wasn't really...
1: like a. Oh yeah, we're putting you there, right. but it was like it was it was it was the perfect response. He
2: didn't have a laughing emoji. No,
1: no, and he didn't ignore it, and. um And there's been several moments like that since then where he has been very much an encourager of this to happen. And I appreciate that. I'll
2: say this. This is a true story. Like, it really is fake it till you make it, to be quite honest with you. I called the very first pro show in Washington, D.C. in May of 2007. And I was working at Bloody Elbow at the time. And I remember I called the promoter just for an interview. And he was like, yeah, we don't have anyone calling. We don't have a color commentator yet. And I've never done Literally zero television work. Nothing. And I told him, yeah, I could do it. Like, I don't even know what came over me to do it. He gave me that job. He gave me the job. And then uh, the guy who was the ring announcer was one of the morning hosts, like the most famous morning show host in D.C. They started having me on their show to do UFC analysis. Then I got a show on that station. Then I got on Sirius XM and it just, it kind of all ballooned. Like, you just have to create your own future. You have to do it.
1: I've had other careers as well. And it, it it's a running theme throughout my life that I have been criminally like uh, I don't want to say unprepared because I was prepared, but un- under credentialed yeah. to be put in a lot of the spots. But it was always me saying when someone would ask, I'd say, "Yep, I can do that." And then in my mind, going, "I'm all oh, well now. I got to figure out how the fuck to do that." Yeah, but I did. Whether it was PR well, or finance or whatever. I think
0: we all eventually hit a hit a crossroads moment, but not everybody goes in the direction that that we've luckily been able to go, where we just kind of go all in on ourselves. And sometimes you're forced to do that financially, or sometimes yeah. you're forced to do that because you're so frustrated that you're like, F it. You have your total F it moment. And then I think a lot of people get to that point and they just go, well, I don't have that in me. So I'm just going <laughs> to go the other direction. And, and you know, but you went after it. And I can totally uh, respect that and feel your passion. And, and and I mean, like, passion is the thing at the end of the day that you can't teach. Yeah. Um, when did you get that injected with that passion for this fight game that like if you didn't have, you would have been quote unquote found out, right? Like we sometimes we feel like imposters, you would have been an imposter if you didn't get injected with a passion for the game.
1: That's such an interesting question because it really, this sounds so stupid, but it really started when I was like four. (laughs) I remember my dad used to travel a lot to Asia and he brought back this little gi and it was right when Karate Kid came out. And I don't know why my le- parents let me watch Karate Kid because I was raised in like a super conservative Christian home. But somehow I watched it. I know it.
0: why because it was the 80s and 90s, and there were no rules back then, and parents were like, "Get out of our house <laughs> yeah, for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go find trouble." Yeah.
1: I fe- I just fell in love with that movie. I fell in love with the notion of like, uh, I guess maybe smaller people finding ways to um, be powerful, if that makes sense. And so I remember like I put on that little gi, and I'd be on my bed jumping. Crane kicks or whatever, and then it really just went from there. I, I did karate all through high school, got my black belt, and then I really didn't do anything during college. And I kind of thought, because I didn't compete in karate, I thought it was kind of all in my past. And I just went through a really tough time in my personal life. Uh, and it was Rob Kimmins. I don't know if you know who Rob Kimmins is. He's yeah, an old,
2: yeah, the, yeah, the Muay Thai guy, right?
1: Well, Rob Kimmins, he did do Muay Thai, but he was one of the first. UFC fighters out of the Kansas City area, like
2: old school. I'm old thinking school, of Rob Kamen or somebody. Maybe up. I think you are. Yes, I'm sorry.
1: No, it's okay. So Rob Kimmons, um, he didn't oh, have. Yeah, K-I-M-M. Rob Kimmons. yeah K I M M. Yeah, K I M M. Sorry, I misunderstood you. Yeah, Rob Kimmins I stumbled on him at like a normal weightlifting gym, and he was working out, and I kind of just never let go. Like he, at first he was like, "No, you can't train with us," you know, like get 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 the fuck out of here. I just kept sticking around and asking and asking and. Um, I think if I can point to a, a, a specific moment when like I fell in love with MMA, it was probably my first amateur fight. I don't, it's really impossible. So what year
0: was this? Cause your first pro, your only pro fight was 2013. When was your first amateur fight? Uh,
1: 2009? Okay. And I've got some that aren't on there. It's not. I, you know, the difference between six and eight isn't that
0: big. <laughs> I have eight fights, people.
1: Um, I can't wait eight times.
0: Was any at the Lava Shack outside in the parking lot? Oh, I
1: fought in a barn once. I fought a girl on meth. Yes. You know, it's oh, wow. it, was, it was wild. At a
0: party or at an official? BC thing? fights girls no. on <laughs> meth every Friday. <laughs> it was a. It
1: was an. It was an official, unofficial fight. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. It's, it was the
0: first a, MMA fight I ever
2: went to. This is true. Was in a billiards hall.
1: Yeah, I was in the middle of nowhere in Missouri and, you know, not a great Okay,
0: but you yeah. seem like a very well-adjusted normal person in a very huh. abnormal industry. It's in sport.
1: <laughs> Look, See? we, yes. we I, little do you know. I
0: have so much respect for fighters, but for them for you to overcome that barrier that prevents me from taking that leap Yes, maybe it helped that you grew up in martial arts. Yeah. But for you to sign down and say, "No, I'm going to take an amateur fight," was that an easy leap for you? Because that's the point where most of us get on the couch and order the paper.
2: Yeah, like, what was going on in your life where, like, hey, I'm going to have an amateur MMA fight make, made all the sense?
1: Yeah, I well, I don't really know. I my my I definitely didn't have like a I mean I not at all a rough upbringing. In fact, I had a very vanilla, wonderful upbringing. Like my parents were upper, upper middle class and like. I never hurt for money and never got into trouble and made great grades. It was, like, val- Where did you salutatorian up? in uh, Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. I lived I lived here in New York. You were Virginia, salutatorian right? of your high school? I was, and I was graduated fifth in my class at college. Like, I I was oh. always, yeah. And
0: yeah. after that, wow. I was <laughs>
1: summa cum laude. Um,
0: You're more of Luke Thomas area because William & Mary grad. I'm the community college. Phi <laughs> Beta Kappa was founded at William & Mary. How about that? Yeah, I mean, but, like you know, that. that's people that need those things. Yeah, sororities, fraternities—you know—they're <laughs> like probably- people who have, want jobs.
1: I have yeah. a not-so-secret crush on his vocabulary. Like, I there are literally yeah. times where I just gush over certain words you use. You know,
2: it's so unlike all my other experiences in MMA, where people are like, "Why are you talking like that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, "That's just how I, I fucking
0: it. talk." I know, I love if it. If he would be willing to dye his hair one time, I think I'd have a crush on him too. But
2: he—he—he uh, <laughs> he, he likes the old, you know. I'm going gray like it's a contest. I mean, I really, it's just, it, it won't yes. fucking stop. Yes. It just, yes. the gray just is eating me alive. You can fight okay. back, though.
1: No. 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 no.
2: Not with that shoe polish fucking no. Elvis not Presley not. 1975. No. You I overdid it that time. No. This okay. fucking guy. Laura, Did you do will, it? Oh, yeah. Laura. He is, will that, sh-
1: is this die right now? No, 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 no. no.
2: He will show up, like, he won't say shit. And then we'll show up on set and look like a look like a, a fucking person? like a game show host who's in the last stage like of his Elvis career. I look looked like Elvis in the 68
0: comeback special with the leather, black leather. I mean, I was just jet black, but it didn't work. Why do
1: yeah. Why do men feel like that matters?
0: I don't know. I don't. It doesn't know. matter. Yeah, men Men are insecure. That's why. You know? Well,
1: so are we. But like, it, it, it just I'm telling you, as a woman of a certain age, I'm. A few weeks out from turning 40, like, it doesn't, it does not welcome. matter.
2: Yeah, welcome. Doesn't. Image doesn't matter? Yeah, it does.
1: Well, image does, but gray hair doesn't.
2: Oh, gray hair
0: doesn't, Like, you yes. can't be
1: a fat, giant, like, Slob, right. but you know, gray hair. I mean,
0: Luke's a silver fox. I'll exactly give him that, I'm right? saying. You're
1: both uh, silver foxes. If you would just own it, Brian, like let let it let it shine.
2: Let the gray, let, let it, the gray just take you away. I'm that take, factory town hero that just realized that the away. factories are closed. Every right? time I look in the mirror, I'm like, how the fuck did I turn into Gandalf overnight? Yes. <laughs> overnight, uh, overnight.
1: When you posted that picture of you as a marine.
2: Oh yeah, 19 years old in that picture. Yeah, 19 years old. I, and someone in the, the, in the comments was like, "Hey, you don't look half bad." I'm like. I haven't always been a Dodge Omni. I might be one now, oh, but I haven't always been a Dodge Omni. Hey, fuck you. You always been a Dodge Omni, <laughs> No, no,
0: no. You know, I, I'm, I'm
2: one of those I've guys, guys
0: in that you're torn looking at. You're like, he may have had a prime. It's possible. It's possible. You know? Well,
1: he proved it today on Twitter.
0: Yeah. post Post your 19-year-old picture, fucker. I had a goatee that curled under the hair. <laughs> did you really I did. stop? And what I, year is this? Uh, did you wear this puka was shell necklaces? Seven and eight, and you know those two calendar years, I did not do well with the ladies. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a surprise, right? And, Laura, if we, let's get back to this for just a second, if we may. We're
2: talking about. him. I, I, I thought my transition. <laughs> into, I, mean, I mean, just was barely, you describing you know. living in the no fucking section, as interesting <laughs> as that is. Uh, I have to tell you though, I do wonder about some of the attitudes you might get in the sport, right? Because. Online, it's just hard to tell what the perception is. I see a lot of positivity around. Yeah. Uh, hey, look at this woman doing this amazing things. And uh, I had my wife listen to your commentary, and the first thing she said was like, yo, she does her homework. Like, it was just obviously apparent. His wife once rolled with Roxanne Montefiore. That's true. Oh, did she really? Yeah, yeah, she did. But... Um, oh, you thought I was going to demean her, that beautiful woman. Yeah, if you did, we'd have some problems. But, uh, but on the other side... I do wonder what it's like because I don't have your job. I don't have your life. I don't have your career. But every time I put out even a video where I'm breaking down something, yeah. I always wonder, like, you know, is it going to be accepted or whatnot? You got a job doing commentary, still with Contender Series, not full-on UFC events, before any other female fighters got it. Yeah. I wonder if you face any pushback for that.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, there's, there, there's a whole – I mean, you don't have to dig very hard on Twitter to find. There's a whole contingent of people that love to point out. Like, well, even just the other day, I, I did um, another radio show, and I was, you know, like you. I'm like, I i do. I'm curious about how people are receptive, especially when I do kind of more in-depth analysis and not just, hey, guys, here I am. Um, and a, a lot of positivity, but then there's, like, someone that's always like, she's a— She's a jo- Johnny come lately from ESPN that knows nothing about the sport. And I'm like, well, first off, I don't even work for ESPN. Second of all, I mean, I've been—I know I don't have the longest topology. I get that. It's it's teeny, teeny, tiny. But I've been in the sport in the in the the trenches of the sport. I'll even say since 2006. Like I'm still training. I just got my brown belt. Like hey, I congrats. thank you, nice. thank you. I uh, you know. But I just kind of, I try to, I try to shake that stuff off because the people that matter in my world, the people that are there to open more doors and the doors that I really want open, they get it. And so at the end of the day, I just got to shut it out. And I will say this probably more, more positive than not. I was a little scared, especially when I first did the LFA fights, like the jump from Invicta to LFA was felt like a big jump and then of course the jump from LFA to contender series also felt yep. like a big jump. And every time I've made that jump, I've been pleasantly surprised by male and female reception of but yeah, there's a lot of like, why is it her? And
0: well, there's gonna be sharks, right? If, yeah. it, if it's a if it's a pool worth swimming in, there's gonna and I'm, be sharks. And
1: I'm for sure, listen, I'm so- I'm totally like everyone knows I'm fucking Dana. And,
0: you know, <laughs> well, if you, I, didn't, and, I wasn't expecting you to break and news my here boss that, and, yeah. and my no, boss you, though, and the,
1: any guy I've ever seen with to- the total facts. But
0: do you echo what like the pro wrestlers will say when they retire? What I learned in this business is you can either have friends or make money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point in yeah. in this game, it may be in any corporate structure where people are trying to make their moves um, you do have to at some point protect the brand, right, and just not – and be like – I mean, Luke doesn't give a damn. I actually respect it to a degree. I I don't get it. But, like, he doesn't give a damn what people – what his followers (laughs) – he's like like $30 to ask a single question, but they still pay it, Luke. But you you don't care about them at all. But us normal people, we have, like, (laughs) heartstrings and, like, we're reactive sometimes. In in no way, shape,
2: or form are you a normal person. So,
0: um, I mean, I guess you got to just, you know – is
2: there a question there?
0: No, it's just it's just people that, you know, people that have crawled through and, and made it, Luke, they they like to have, sometimes like to sit around and just talk about their yeah, success. Yeah, more, know, more stories. Successful people. Yes. Like I will
2: say this, and hearing you talk about this and, like, you know, some of the bullshit I've done to get ahead at all, I hate the things you have to do to win in this world. I really yeah. do. Like, the you have to, like, P, You got to play the game, Luke. Whatever, whatever little bit of success I've tasted has taught me, it's like, now I know why assholes finish first. Yeah right? Don't I, you feel that way?
1: I do. I do. But I'm, I'm genuinely trying to like combat that because I, I have that converse the conversation we're having right now, I have with myself all the time where it's incredibly frustrating when certain things play out the way that they do, or certain people have right. attitudes that are completely unjust and unprovoked and whatever. There's a lot of like, um, she shouldn't be having the success she's having. So let's, you
2: know, it has been fast. I will say that. Yeah. Or, or I know you worked all that time, and then there was the turning points at around 2018 yeah. or so. But it has been meteoric since then anyway.
1: For sure it has. And I've worked my ass off for it. That, That's probably the part I get. Um, Long
0: time in the cocoon before the wing show. Yeah, fair enough.
1: I love that, bro Fair enough. I'm fair stealing enough. that. I'm stealing, uh-huh. I'm still wiggling out of that cocoon over here. Uh, I don't remember what the question yeah, was. Yeah, me
0: neither. But I got a great follow-up. All right. So the the real drug in this game in broadcasting, in my opinion, is being able to lay your finger on a fight at the soundtrack. You're not in the cage anymore, you know, I'm not in the boxing ring, but somebody decided it was a good idea to pay me money to put on a suit and help, you know, author or throw a dab of myself onto the soundtrack of the call. Being there is a drug separate from the money, the prestige, the, Oh, this is all I ever wanted to do, but didn't think I could actually get here. The drug of me showing up every time is that I'm inches away from a live fight and whatever the hell I react is is the the record of, yeah. of no you know i'm not trying to put too much pressure on a call because you can watch it without the volume like luke and nobody knows what we're talking <laughs> about but do you feel that drug every contender series when you go out there that there's an energy there's something insanely fun and dangerous here and i'm right in the midst of it
1: 100 percent i do and it's not unlike fighting it really isn't and that's probably why i was so drawn to this side of things because when i knew i wasn't going to return to fighting after having my son I had to stay close to the sport. Like it's too much in me, it's too much in my bones, too much a part of my day-to-day life to just not be involved somehow. I would have been a manager or an agent, something. Um, But yeah, to sit there and to be able to, I think the word you used is perfect, to author, to communicate the art that someone is, is displaying. And I think, I think for me, because of the way that I stepped away from the sport and like, there never was an Adam Waite class in the UFC. So there like, there wasn't a reason for me to push on that side of things. Um, I think that I live vicariously through the fighters. And I mean, all of them. Like win, lose or draw, you might even be fighting a teammate of mine. I still like care about telling your stories as properly as I can. And when I say story, like the story of how you express yourself in a fight and doing my best to do it justice. And to me, because I don't have a belt to point at or a long typology page or whatever, I know I have to compensate. Right. And I do that by doing an inordinate amount of research on everything I can, which, let me tell you, with Road to, Road to UFC...
2: Not easy. <laughs> it's so hard. It was, the names alone are hard to pronounce.
1: I, I, I'm not overly proud of my commentary on that show because it is... It is so incredibly difficult to keep the names straight and to keep people's stories straight, and we don't have any background information on them. It's very different even than Contender Series. We don't get like the the sit-down, like kind of get to know them as a person and be able to attach a story to who they are as a fighter. Also,
2: it's a two-man booth, not a three-man, correct?
1: Yes, and I'm the only... Yes, exactly. That was another jump that felt scary at the time because there's a little part of me that's like, well, they'll accept me as this third wheel that chimes in and says things here and there. But, you know, which is totally fine. I I, I don't mind that. I actually like that role. I get that D.C., Mike Bisping, Paul Felder, whoever, those are the guys. I just want, like, a seat at the table. But then when I'm the only one at the table, it's like, well, here we go, you know?
2: For women who want to get into broadcasting in combat sports, what's your advice? What's the? What are a couple good lessons you've learned?
1: Um, you have to do a lot for free first and a lot oh, yeah. um, and, 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 that, and just accept that. Like, The first MMA media gig I had was for when Titan FC was back in Kansas City all the time. Mm-hmm. The old days on Access TV. I just really wanted to go to the fights because a lot of my friends were fighting on it and I just wanted to go to the fights and sit cage side. Um, so I offered, I don't remember the name of the blog, but I offered some blog like, hey, I'll sit there and type out... Blow by blow, horrible recaps. Like, then he threw a left hand. Next, like, it was atrocious. Who would would want to read that? But it was a reason, like, I got a ticket. I didn't make any money, but I got a ticket, and I got to sit right next to the action, and that was, like, that was 2009, so...
0: All those um, hours mattered, by the way, in the end. They all and they, did. they all put, make the puzzle. They're all important pieces in the they
1: end. They did. So, like, even as an amateur, I, I obviously wasn't anywhere close to commentating or communicating what I was seeing, but I was looking at fights differently, I think, than I would have otherwise,
2: for sure. So anything else besides working for free to start? Okay,
1: so working for free at the start and just accept that that's okay. Um, if you have specific sites that on the UFC or a big promotion like you got to figure out what promotion is a is a feeder to that promotion and try to like and if you can't get in with a fight pass uh promotion then you figure out okay who feeds into those yeah. you know and then start start climbing the ladder and start putting yourself out there and offering to do things like i think that's the biggest thing too you 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 can't wait for opportunities to come yeah, to no you yeah
0: no one's going to be able to advocate for you better than yourself. And I had to learn it like corporately, the long, hard way of like, you know, hard work isn't enough. You got, you know, if the person above you that has the ability to hire you doesn't know that you're interested in being hired, then it's the end of the conversation right there, right? You know, that's it.
1: 100%. You have to chase it down. You got to call up that local promotion and say, hey, I know you're not on TV, but like I could do some interviews and put them on a YouTube page. Oh, I never thought about that, you know? (laughs) Anything like that, and and then just don't don't stop. But in terms of like specifically being a woman, um, I think
2: is the I have to be twice as good rule.
1: Yeah, effect. yeah, for sure. And I and I'm mortified when I make mistakes. Like yeah. mortified to the point where it really keeps me up, and I can I'm running through them in my head right now, mm. um, and you know, the guys that do the commentary make mistakes all the time. And it's no big deal because people make mistakes. You're going to use the wrong name for a submission or whatever. It's really hard to talk for seven hours Jesus. and not say something that's not perfectly correct. Right. But yeah, every, I do feel the pressure to, to not fuck up. <laughs> and cause it's not just about me. Um, Again, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't like using the word pioneer, but I do feel like.
0: Well, it's a responsibility.
1: It, there is a there is a mantle of responsibility because if whoever it is, but it happens to me, it happens to be me, goes out there and completely bombs or is feeds into some sort of stereotype that yeah. people might have about a female commentator, and everyone's like, oh, we didn't like that. That ruins it for a lot of other women, and there are a lot of women. Coming up, that are going to be capable of doing this job very soon. I feel like I think I said this to you when we did our interview sure. right after I got the contender series gig. I I happen to be at a very unique crossroads of having the fight knowledge, having the actual practical knowledge, the jujitsu knowledge, the striking knowledge, um, and then having the television chops. Enough of the television chops. There just are not that many wim- women who live at that crossroads yet, but they're coming up. And I hope that...
0: The future is female, everyone? <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that, Luke, okay? <laughs> the,
1: the future isn't... I future mean, is it's two, not exclusively two keys. female. Two
0: keys. All right, the future right. is we
2: certainly, <laughs> we certainly hope.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, now, to backtrack on your story a little bit here, just so I have all of the pieces in place, you got your... The very first, like, real gig yeah. was what? Like, something on YouTube <laughs> for, you know... Fuckface MMA doesn't count.
1: Okay, real gig would have been Invicta.
2: Okay, how'd you get that gig?
1: Uh, Shannon Knapp, the owner at the time, literally called me out of nowhere. Um, I had either just had my son or I was maybe even still pregnant at the time. I think I had just had my son. And she probably knew, you know, MMA was not ever going to be, I shouldn't say it. I wanted to have an MMA career if if it was going to be in the UFC. But for Invicta to be the apex, was not enough for me financially or time-wise. So I think she kind of knew that. And she just called me out of nowhere and was like, hey, Marlo's Coonan is coming to town. We don't have a sideline reporter. Would you be willing to interview her on air? And I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And then I proceeded to say, but Shannon, you do know I've never held a microphone before. I've never looked at a camera before. I don't. And she's like, you'll be fine. I can tell you're going to be good at this. So kudos to her, too.
2: And that led to Fox Sports?
1: And that led to, yes, that led to an audition with uh with Fox Sports uh, w- specifically for the UFC it wasn't like Fox Sports in general they see, were okay. they, they auditioned me actually they auditioned me as an anchor and i had never worked with multiple cameras i had never worked with it's uh, not so easy, is analysts, it? Analysts. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It was so awful. People
2: don't, I mean, I have a hard time with it still. If they don't have the trail lights on them, it's oh, hard God. to follow which way is.
1: never, I'd never read from a teleprompter. Like, that's right. still to this day, that's the only time I've ever read from a teleprompter, which is incredibly... I mean, I could. I mean, I get Ron Burgundy. I understand his pain. <laughs> they could have put anything in there, and I would have said. And so,
2: did it. you do? So you didn't do any PBC on boxing? No. Uh, with you with uh, with Fox. Just I did not. UFC. I did
1: not. Just UFC. So they, they auditioned me, and I'm sure they were like, "Well, she is definitely not cut out to be an anchor, but knows her shit. So let's see how she does as a reporter." But even and then, then, when my first went to answer,
2: ESPN, because uh-huh. Contender Series didn't start till the ESPN era, correct?
1: No, it was before. It was, was on it? Fight Pass only.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Excuse back me. in that's the no, back in the old it
1: school, it was ninety. I'm not exaggerating. Ninety seven degrees where you see me doing those interviews in this hallway, <laughs> ninety seven degrees, and full of marijuana smoke in the in the first few weeks when they were just letting Snoop, Snoop, do, Snoop do his, his, his thing. thing. Oh, it was incredible. What a, what a time to be alive.
0: Reminds me of the studio.
1: What, a, what a, I was hoping for more our of a cloud man. when I walked yeah. in. To be honest, well,
0: our cameramen have all uh, you know vaped in. in ingested edibles instead of smoking <laughs> right in front of us. They're very strategic in their intake, you know, big fans of these guys. Everyone
1: yeah. looks very mellow as I look as I look out.
0: Well, I mean, TikTok is very important when you're filming a show, you know what yeah, I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> <interesting. laughs> well, I, I don't see how Luke could go, you know, Greg, I, I love you as a broadcaster, but you did something most of us scumbag MMA media members will never do. And in 2013, was it Invicta 3? Invicta 4. Invicta 4. Invicta 4. You took on... Hey, recent BKFC fighter.
1: Oh, yeah, Cassie I forgot about that. Rob, yeah, yeah.
0: And I believe you submitted her in round one. So this. You know, not footnote of your life. This, in a lot of ways, is most responsible for the work you're doing right now, right? I mean, you for lived sure. that life. How do you look back on that as like, oh, that was awesome when I was awesome, or <laughs> I mean, where were you? Where was your headspace turning pro in 2013?
1: You know, at the time, I really, I, I thought it was going to be off to the races, and just, just to see, okay, just to see what I could do and in invicta, because again, this is pre-Ronda. It's right before Ronda, but it's still pre-Ronda. We don't really know. Is this? Experiment of women in MMA gonna be a real thing or not, or is yeah. it just gonna be like, oh, let's have Ronda, then never mind. Um, so it very much felt like I was at the apex um, of MMA for women at Pirano the time. Toronto
0: and Cyborg had opened people's eyes that it's possible, yes. in a lot of ways. Yes, but it, it hadn't taken
2: yet. Right? Yes. I said before when I first started covering MMA; they had three-minute rounds
1: exactly for
2: women. Like that was that changed while I was covering this shit.
1: It was. Yeah, it was very, very different times. But I did envision like, oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna I'm gonna work my ass awesome off and become an Invicted champion. You know, I, I was on that card with Amanda Nunes and Paige Van Zandt mm. and Carla Sparza and I think Jessica Penny was on it. Like you go down that card in particular, it's just this All Stars. All stars. It's it's awesome to see. But at the time I I thought that was it and it was it was an incredible experience and I'm glad I did it, but it is frustrating at times to not have more fights to point at in this position. Cause that's honestly like the biggest critique I get is what, what happened after
0: that fight before you started uh, your family. Was there, was there ideas for a second fight? Where oh, I
1: was at? already in camp. Yeah. I wasn't, I was already, I think I'd signed a contract. I at least verbally agreed to my next, uh, to my next fight. And you know, my joke, that I continued to just beat to death is that I had to pull out because my husband didn't, so.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's a very MK-friendly joke. Luke, to be fair, that's a, She's a, right a, at yeah. home. I mean, let's <laughs> her. She's right at home. With that in mind, I you, don't know. Yeah, that's With a... that
2: in mind, how are your DMs these days? You used oh, to post. But, so let's back up a step. You used to post these guys. <laughs> they'd be sending, like, you know, the worst dick pics yeah. and, like, pitches to I you. I mean,
0: we, should we celebrate
2: these And people? then, no, no, but then she would uh, take it and then she would, like, dunk on it and then post it. I'm imagining they haven't stopped. Or no. Ha- no?
1: No, they haven't stopped. I mean, they've gotten uh, less creative. I was always the creative ones it's that, just dongs that now. I could like, uh, yeah, it's just, just dicks.
2: <laughs> That's like his fucking
0: DMs, too. I, just, I don't think you can prove that.
1: But <laughs> it's it is wild to me. Wait,
0: wait, wait, what? No, <laughs> he's always telling me that I've got we need viewers sending what? me their their sticks, and they know our rules. And we can have I, I literally, I tell people no, on air,
2: I'm like, yo, send your dick pics to No, Brian. no. no <laughs> just send them. He's no, just, just say no. There was, no stick
0: pics. There was a guy
1: for a while, and I absolutely loved it, where he would send me a dick pic every day but it was a picture of someone named Dick hey, you're,
0: you're no, way it was, too positive listen, about the first listen. half of the
2: sentence you're like, he,
0: he was, was so charming, I'm gonna do this know? to you no. this is gonna be great
1: <laughs> you didn't let me finish it was a picture of someone named Dick so it would be Dick Van Dyke or ah, you know were doing a Dick Cheney yeah. it was hilarious and I really genuinely looked. I'm like oh I wonder what my dick pic is for today that guy I appreciated I don't was, know that UBC?
0: Did you, was that you BC was that you with your not, burner account? No, the, you know what's interesting about the dichotomy of our characters, Luke, is the me on screen is the exact opposite of me in real life, and the you on screen is the exact opposite of you in real That's life. That's true. You know what I yeah, mean? I You're know, unbearable I... in real life. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, can, I have to tolerate you, too. Yeah, that is also true. So um, you, you got a first-round submission against Cassie Robb. Yeah. Did you uh, take on any damage? What happened? To, how much did that, like, <laughs> like shit, I'm, I'm a it's, badass.
1: It's weird. You know, I've, I have some very clear messages. Memories. I'm probably more proud of the fight before that, the amateur title that I won, because it was a war, and I had my elbow popped, but didn't tap, and the ref didn't see it, and kind of like continued on. Very Noguera
0: of you, yeah. L. yeah. I
1: almost knocked her out with a body kick, but she managed to. She did the whole like, and I just wasn't, you know, 105. To, I don't, I don't pack a lot of heat in these hands, yeah. so it couldn't quite get her out of there. But it was an absolute war, and it was the first time I'd ever fought or even like had. Uh, Spart or whatever, someone taller than me, at 105. Like she's five seven, 105. I'm very tall for 105. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this bitch is huge. Not huge, <laughs> but like, her, why are her arms so long?
2: <laughs> did you? Did you? Who cornered you for that?
1: Uh, that would have been. Let me think about this. James Kraus. Okay. And Tim, maybe. Elliot. Tim Elliot. I'm. I'm. This is a long time ago. But I know James did because I remember. Hearing his his voice like in certain certain times, I think she,
2: oh giving instruction. Yeah,
1: and like and like when she had me in the arm bar and yeah, it was it was cool too, because like I, it was it was right as he was transitioning from a teammate to kind of he wasn't yet a coach on the team, but in that camp in particular, like he helped me figure out some strategy for what would work against her. And the body kick was something that she and I or mm. he and I worked on a lot, and so. I remember him saying, like, that was a really cool moment for him because he was like, it was the first time I, like, kind of had a game plan for someone, and we worked on it, and then it played out in a fight, so.
2: So, what's the goal here? You're trying to get on UFC pay per views?
1: I mean, that's the ultimate goal, but the the immediate goal is to be um, on UFC fight nights. Yeah, I would like to do that, very much so. How
2: realistic is that? Very. Oh, it is? Yeah, very. I mean, have you, can you share to what extent you've gotten feedback? from the folks who are in charge of production about yeah. how you've done with contender series.
1: They, I think they've been, uh, I think they've been pleasantly surprised. There was, I did a, I did an audition, um, you know, cause that's, this is the part of stuff that people don't realize. Like I've had a lot of failures. It's oh yeah, outwardly. It's like, Oh, this meteoric rise or whatever, but there's been a lot of stuff that's happened back behind the scenes where people have been like, Oh, we're never going to do that. Like that's, we would never do that. Or like, why would we ever, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fit in that position or, um, okay, we'll give you an, an audition. And then I fucking bomb the audition or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, it, it took a lot to get that spot on the contender series. And I knew that first show with Paul that I had to like, it couldn't just be pretty good. It couldn't yeah. just be like, oh, she was she was okay.
0: You had to throw a no hitter.
1: I had to I had to I had to. I had to. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but I feel like I achieved what I wanted to achieve. And uh yeah, I think as a result of that, they've they've seen me grow and I think them giving me the road to UFC. I don't wanna know I don't wanna say it was a test, but to be the only color commentator, Now, John Gooden. <clears throat> He knows
2: That's
0: a pro.
1: as much as any, right. you know, That's so a pro. Really, in many ways, like he provided a lot of. Seems like uh, a gentleman, support. too. Like he's if wonderful. I was in a
0: foreign country and got like shit blasted, blackout drunk <laughs> and I committed like a felony, like I would want him to make sure I got back to my hotel room.
1: He, that, yes, you know? he's that guy. He's like, but he also <laughs> I will say this about him. He's, if
0: you're out there drunk. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's 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 a little bit more. Uh. He's less of the bow tie in person than you might imagine. Oh, oh he'll, he'll, okay. he'll 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 he's us. got a
2: little he's, he's a little just, saucy. He's a little saucy. Oh, okay. he's a little yeah, saucy. he'll in run a, a little. How's your a, father? So wait, in so a good way. In does good this way. mean in 2023 we'll see you doing fight nights?
1: I can't make any uh, any declarative statements at the time, but I feel very I feel very optimistic about. Take the
2: over on that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Um, that would be truly a monument. Have you? Have you I don't know. Like, what does that it's mean hard. to you? It's hard. Does it mean, like, it's hard. It's, it's certainly an upgrade to what you've been doing. Although you've been doing great things, what would that mean to you? Is that fulfillment? Like, what is that exactly?
1: I think about that a lot, and it's a weird question. I, did you ever watch that movie that car, the kids' movie Soul?
2: Yes. Oh, uh, the Pixar one. Yes, yes, yes. with uh, Jamie Fox.
1: That yeah. movie made me weep, and it actually made my—he was probably six or six at the time. Even my son was crying. Like it's, a, it's.
2: It's a, it's a beautiful a, movie.
1: It's a beautiful movie, and it really made me think about like I'm gonna get choked up here. If I if I get to this thing that I think is the apex, that I think is like everything I want it to be, am I, am I really gonna feel that way about it? You know what I mean? Like or. Is it the moments like this, the journey in getting there, that's really the thing that I love? And that is Sometimes the truth. Sometimes,
0: though, it, doesn't it depend on what your why actually is? Yeah. You, have you been able to look inward enough and realize, like, above all else, what is the reason you're willing to knock on doors, have the belief that things that haven't been done in a while can be possible or have yeah. never been done can be possible? Like, what at the end of the day is your why in this game?
1: My why for what I'm trying to do started out very uh, very much about myself and my self drive. Like I'm an incredibly driven, A-type, perfect grades, summa cum laude, like I've always been ridiculously, annoyingly like that. However, once I started doing it, and started seeing how much it meant. Like, I just, I didn't, I had no idea how much it would mean to, not just women. Like, I have so many, I just the other day, and I always cut them out, and I have, a, like, a little folder in my phone that I stick them in. This dad uh, texted me, and he's like, or messaged me on Instagram, and he said, you know.
2: So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter.
1: I'm from Ireland, like, you don't know me, but I just, I love what you're doing and being able to do it in such a male dominated industry and do it with grace and have a sense of humor and like, just be one of the guys, like, I just, I would give anything for my daughter to grow up and be like you. And I'm like, when people, when someone says something like that that is, that's mind blowing to me. So now, and for a while now, for a long while now, my wow really is to, I'm not saying I'm gonna like shatter some sort of glass ceiling. But I want to fucking, I want to crack it. I want to put a big old crack in it if I can do that so that someone with with a UFC title around their belt and with, you know, the credentials, whatever, can can smash it.
0: I've actually never asked you your why. What is it? Not only is that uh, inspiring, but that's how my dog acts. As soon as she gets outside, like to other someone else's mailbox, she's like, I want people to know I was here so I can relate to that. Um, that's a great question, <laughs> and um, I, I think your why has to be absolute. Obviously, there's other factors, like we all want to get paid. We all want to... Sure people to think
2: we're cool. There's the money no, is
0: nice. All that is great and, I, and look at the end of the day taking care of my family is the most important thing above all. But what's my real why for working this hard is because in my 20s there were times in my life that I punted life and said, yeah. "Okay, I I'm I'm I understand now that I that I have underachieved, that I that I gave it away. It's mm. my fault. But I know at the end of the day, no one needs to tell me, I know at the end of the day, I could have been a contender. I know I could have done something. This? No. Never could have guessed this. Calling fights? Never could have guessed that. But even if it was just being a nationally known writer, I knew I had Mm -hmm. something to give. And my backstory is all crazy, like every one of our stories are. But, you know, at some point, uh, you know, the good Lord decided that that I could be pulled out of the muck and that there was a second chance. And I am forever driven not to let that chance go, that... From hell or high water, obviously it helps when you're fighting to keep the lights on, which at times in our careers, that's what it's been, right? Yeah. Fighting to, to pay the rent. And that all is a great motivator, but I cannot let this thing end without giving everything I had. And even if it means getting as close to the flame and getting fired or, or fucking up or just straight up proving that you can't do it at the end of the day when you think you can, I'm willing to stand out on that, on that, uh, on that ledge and, and do that because... Um, Something was birthed, and I think it's inside of all of us. We should, it takes it takes a while to figure out, and sometimes we don't get there. But I got there, yeah. and this thing's gonna fly. This like I'm, you know, it's been a wild ride, but I'm I'm Sully Sullenberger. At the end of the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> land that fucking plane right <laughs> in the Hudson, like right. Well, first you're gonna right drive uh, it. There, you know first you're mean? gonna drive it into the geese. Absolutely. <laughs> then you're gonna put it on. Yes. The so you know, Luke, that's what it's about. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Like that's the thing. It's like I'm not looking for a fight. I don't even have a fight in my in my. If if I had a life box wreck page, I don't even have life fights in that regard. But I, you know, I've been fighting my whole life, look, Okay, and if you corner me like a like a wounded animal, I will fucking kill you. All right? And that's that's actually not a message to motivate anybody. That's a threat to you directly, okay? <laughs> Wait, you know, you cross me and I went from, went from I cornering
1: end... you to killing you. <laughs> okay, is, all
0: right. That's the escalation Fighting, and fucking it's the same yeah. thing. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, but can you identify with that a little bit? I can,
2: yeah. If, if I had to, I, you know, to the extent that I have the similar kind of fit feeling, um, yeah, yeah. I would just say I didn't, I had a weird childhood. You know, I didn't have like the worst childhood, but it was not awesome um i never felt like i was good at anything i just want to be good at something truly Mm. and i don't know i um, i've often found the things i like i can be better at the things i don't like it's hard for me to like swallow and do work that i'm uninterested in but if i like it i can tend to just put pedal to the metal and uh
0: you want to feel like i just want to do i want to feel like you lived
2: for a reason yeah i want i want to i want to produce things that people find value in truly that's that's really about it yeah.
0: I want to entertain people. That's all it is. This is a, this is a this is another angle. I could be doing community theater instead. I'm doing this bullshit podcast. But I just want people to feel something. And that feeling you've got I, a very community theater vibe with that them. feeling may be that they don't respect me and they never will, and I'm just that clown to them. But I don't know if I'm insecure enough or driven enough. But I I, I, I need them to feel what I'm offering. Okay. This, now that may sound like I need a restraining order, but which, I'm not necessarily going that road. Is that road open? It's possible, but I'm not going down that. road Okay. Glad you, glad you clarified that. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I will say, though, you know what one part about the... And no one gives a fuck about our troubles, but I just will say one part that is quite the downside, the travel.
1: I was just going to bring that the up.
2: The travel
0: is that being away from my daughter. I yeah. fucking hate My it. dogs, I feel that. I feel that when I'm not with them. You're a mother. What about your kids? You feel that. <laughs> I love my kids and my wife. You're a the fucking cat, <laughs> I'm bro. saying the whole... You know, Reggie Jackson, my cat is... So Reggie Jackson's the man. Yeah. yeah. I wondered why
1: he went with your dogs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I love all of my people. I get His it. dog is extremely sweet, though. It's an unusually sweet dog. Yeah. Um, do, you, what, do you feel that
2: same the travel? Yeah, no. I the
1: travel, it. the travel's insane. In fact, <clears throat> truth be told, like I, <laughs> I always wondered what my limit was. You know, because I. Another thing that I would attribute to my success is I just I. You ask me to do it, I'll do it. Like opportunity presents itself, yes. Just say yes to everything.
2: Yeah, that's a problem. And then
1: you find yourself. Like, wow, I really, this summer during Contender Series, I found my limit. I found my limit, and it involved me in a puddle of tears on FaceTime with Mm. my husband. I can't do this. I just want to come home. Why am I doing this? What is this all for?
0: Am you know, I just following a selfish? Exactly. Lead
1: am I? Or, am just, I doing this
0: for me? Right. Or am I just telling myself I'm just feeding the family when the family would probably be just as happy if I was well, selling insurance? Right. Well, and that's yeah. that
1: was that's the hardest part for me is I'm not feeding my family with this. My husband is is the breadwinner. I mean, I I make a great living now and I'm proud of that and I I that means more to me than I thought it would. Like I hadn't been a, an earner in a while before I got married. But the reality is that if my job went away tomorrow, it wouldn't matter. So it, all, it automatically feels more selfish yeah. because it's not financially necessary for my family. So then I really have to sit back and say, why am I doing this? What is it about? Is it ego-driven? Is it not ego-driven? What will it mean to my son and to my family? And how can I make sure that I don't forsake one for the other, it's, while I go real. down. And by the battle. way, right and, and, here, and, and right.
2: getting that right, figuring out when you can do that one—it's not so obvious sometimes. No. no,
0: it's not so. It's not it's so gray. easy. It's a gray area, and and you would try to make it white or black enough to feel good at the end of the day. But you know, I don't know if we ever can feel good. But I think you know, as long as you got your things balanced and you got your priorities right, which you seem to have, then you'll be okay. But I, what you're saying right there, I feel I definitely. My feel son,
1: better. my son makes all the difference. Son? He's eight, and he'll be nine in December. Ooh, okay. And. I I he always talks me off the ledge. He's such a he's such a smart kid for his age. He can be a, a little shit like all of them can, but he when he he's very emotionally attuned, especially to me, I think. And he can tell, especially during contender series when it gets to be like that third, fourth week. I always like this analogy. You know when you go in the ocean, the first wave comes, and you're just like like waiting in the ocean. The first wave comes, and you're like, "Whee!" Oh, this is so mm-hmm. fun, we're in the ocean, waves, and the second wave comes, like, ooh, this is still fun, this is cool, and then that third one comes a little sooner yeah. than you thought it would. And
0: now you're trying to get your balance. And
1: then you're like, oh, okay, and then that fourth one's there, and you're just like, Whoa. this
0: is like, you're describing doing mushrooms, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I don't know about that, but it's definitely a contender series, like, the first couple weeks are fine, and then week five, and then I'm doing my YouTube channel, and all, like, it, it it's too much, but... Point being, my son sat me down. Uh, he literally pulled me aside, and he's like, "Come here." And he pulled me into his room, and he shut the door. And he goes, "I'm gonna choke up." He goes, and "He goes, mom." He's like, "You don't need to feel bad about being gone. I know what you're doing is super important." He goes, "You're the first female commentator in the history of the UFC." He, I need to tell him about Kathy Long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even <laughs> Kathy Long would be like, "You're fine. Just let them." Keep I actually talking, had you know? a
1: great conversation with Kathy Long. She's like, great. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Cool. Oh. I Right after it happened, she and I talked on the phone. We'd never met before. I just hit her up. I was like, our names are getting mentioned a lot together. I want to know you. We talked on the phone for three hours. It could have been seven. Three hours straight. I love that woman. Could
0: you illuminate us? What does she feel like she... What to yeah. this weird business? Yeah. Because she was a fi- she was a fighter before that,
1: right? It she- is, it is. She is. I like to think of her as like the female Chuck Norris of the eighties and nineties. She was doing stunt work in movies. Yeah. She was a multiple time champion kickboxer. I mean, she was a badass way before women were badasses in combat sports. Like she, she is a real pioneer. Like that woman deserves that title. And I kind of sheepishly called her up because. Honestly, there was a part of me that felt bad that some of the headlines kept reading first. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be like, listen, I I know that you're the first, and I am not taking away from that. And she was really sweet. She's like, listen, they only had me on one show, and I barely talked. (laughs) She's like, and then she just ran me through. Bill Wallace
2: wouldn't stop burping. That's why. And then, And what was the, Jim, my brain doesn't work anymore. Brown, the greatest Brown ball player Jesus, of all time. Yeah, yeah, she yeah.
1: has sworn me to secrecy on many a story surrounding that one show, which I want to say declaratively was not under the Zufa banner. Right. Uh, SCG. It sounded like quite the experience. And the well, one thing. When we th-
0: do our Only Pipes after show, we can tell the rules. Yes. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. The
1: one thing that I will say that never really crossed my mind, she, and she was like, Laura, you have to understand, this was so far b- before the internet, the sport did not exist. So ask me as a striker, when I'd ever even been exposed to jujitsu. And I was like, oh my God, you probably, she goes, no, I had no idea what I was looking at, none. Of course I'm a striker, of course I can call shots, but like, it was this weird freakish thing. And like, I'm expected to say intelligent things about it. And she's like, I didn't know, I had no idea what they were doing on the ground because No one knew what jujitsu was. (laughs) And, And I thought, oh my God. That must have been absolutely terrifying to be this well-respected martial artist, just be thrown in this situation. And be like, here, talk about this, and you're like, no one's ever seen it before. You know, How are you supposed 90s, to talk about?
2: Nineties were fucking wild.
1: How are you supposed to talk about it? There's
2: it, nothing. That- you know, I, I, when uh, when my kid was born, I went because you know you'd be up at three a.m. just doing whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. and I would started watching movies. I was like, I'm gonna watch early nineties movies. They're violent as shit.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: blood Right? Sport.
2: There was something happening in the early nineties. Don't you feel I like loved that? I, I, lived it, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it.
0: I mean, you gra- you're you're not that much younger than us. Oh, So say- your
1: Christian parents let you w- watch Bloodsport?
0: Oh yeah, my ca- my Catholic parents let me watch oh, whatever Catholic I wanted. Gotcha. But yeah, though, um, yeah. So uh, did you, I mean you, gre- you you were what middle school in the '90s at least, right?
1: Yeah, but I had an older brother, and I was like his shadow. So really, I lived the life four years older than I than oh, I am. Yes. All well, the years you, music- you graduated high school? I graduated in two thousand one. Two
2: thousand one. Okay. But
1: I like I lived the music. I lived the.
0: Okay, MTV, I got a great the question. Fashion,
1: whatever, and from you, four
0: years ahead of me. For your life and your feelings, what is the most '90s song? For me, "Semi-Charm Life" by Third Eye Blind Ooh, is good, the most that's a good '90s song. That's a that's good very '90s. Song. Song. I, I hate that song. that
1: song so much. I know,
0: but it is so. Per, 90s. Uh, It's perfectly '90s. Out of your mouth. I'm going to go
2: here. I'm going to go. Sublime. Uh, what I got? What, what I got? great pick.
1: Alanis Morissette. It's like rain.
0: Oh
2: wow! Jack. Little Pill sold a lot of records.
0: Blind. Blind
1: Melon. Oh yeah,
0: no rain. Oh yeah, what's his face? He died though. Oh, Shannon who? Shannon who? Yeah, wow, that that way. You know, I I got a lot of swords. You know what I'm saying? There are, a lot of them were dull though, but a couple of times. Sure. Did you wasn't... go to concerts in the '90s?
1: No, I was too young. I was too young, and I had protective parents. I did go to like, I went to a concert that was like a uh, festival before festivals were a thing. So Bon Jovi was there, and I was front row, and I thought that was really cool because he like winked at me. Um <laughs> And I was like 17. Uh, but no, no, not a big. I, I I went to Dave Matthews. I take that back. I went to Dave Matthews.
2: How was that? A lot of white people there, right? It,
1: <laughs> it was a lot of white people, and I was not enough of a Dave Matthews like died in the wolf fan where I was like, yes, bring on bring this on. 11 minute. You know, great, it's great, great. Yeah, jazz this jazz uh, solo. This out.
0: fantastic violin solo. Yeah. My like brother
2: went to UVA when Dave Matthews' band blew up. Yeah. And he was always like, oh, I see them out in town in Charlottesville. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care. Okay, I, okay well, back I, then, I though, yeah, really like honest, then, though, they were good. They were really good.
1: If I'm being honest, I
2: didn't like it. Hey, well, we still have some time left. Let's talk some headlines. All right. All right. Uh, John Jones, you think he's going to come back at all? I do. You do? Okay. I do. Now, with that caveat in mind, does he actually win the UFC heavyweight title? Whoever that's against in whatever order. But by the end of whenever he comes back, does he have looks like if
0: you're a Magic 8-ball, what
2: would you be saying? Yes. You think so? I do. Tell me why.
1: I do. I, I think that his skill set was extraordinary at light heavyweight, and I think that it's it's been such a long process. I, I would have been more worried about him rushing to heavyweight. I feel like he's been sitting in this heavyweight body for a while now, and this the dynamism of his striking at light heavyweight bring that into a heavyweight setting. And I feel like it, it's going to be really difficult for people to get, I, I love thinking about him facing a Cyril gone, but then you're like, well, John Jones can wrestle. Right. I mean,
2: um, what do you make of the, okay. What is your best explanation for the relative decline of his performance yeah. at light heavyweight towards the end there?
1: <sighs> I think for him, it has always been about stuff that's outside of the octagon. I really do. I, I think that to some degree, you're naturally going to have competitors that start to learn how to fight you better. Right mm-hmm. over time, people are going to get smarter about how they approach a John Jones fight. So I think we saw Dominic Reyes at the peak, um, really understanding how to not, you know, get fast, get past that force field that he puts up. And Let's not, shout out
0: Maheta as well.
1: As well, yes, yes. Tiago Santos, another. I think part of it is is people figuring John out a little bit, but I really attribute most of it to just him not being fully dialed in.
2: I will say, if he can take that much time off from the sport, and while the game has moved on and evolved, it will be and, extraordinary. And to just d- jump right back in and claim a title—it's not just that he'd he's in a different weight class. All the time he's missed, and to be still ahead of the game. It's not that I'm skeptical of his abilities, but just that alone is difficult for any human mortal to do. Do
1: you, in your mind? See, I'm taking some. I'm an interviewer. I'm here. We go. I'm gonna ask the questions now, Luke. Show us that skill set. In your minds, if he comes back at heavyweight and. We feel confident that he is clean, and this it feels like a fresh start in some ways.
0: Cleanish, I mean. Look, yeah. I mean, am I confident he's clean? clean? No, doing no, right? not, but I don't care. I but. mean, you know, at least one of our hosts might be on Delta Eight at the <laughs> moment. It's just, it's just <laughs> the way of the world. <laughs> I
1: guess my question is, and I have because I have this argument slash discussion with DC sometimes. It's a hard one to have with him in particular, and I, I yeah, can understand, I understand why. That, yeah, Are, Do you allow him to have? To remove the asterisk from his goat status, if he does it at heavyweight,
0: to me he doesn't have an asterisk. I don't buy. Yeah, anything. to me okay. even with the Pico Grams, he's the goat. Yeah. If he wins the heavyweight championship in any form, short of a you know robbery or something, he's he's not only going to be already be the goat. It's with a bullet. It's yeah. where. Unfortunately for guys like Habib, GSP, Anderson, I mean, the greatest of the greats, they will now look up at the at the the finest of the farm animals, yeah. that yeah. giant-ass goat. Uh, you know, Honey Boo Boo Wild Thing was onto something when she was uh, calling him. She, wow. ser- she certainly might have been. But, Boo yes, Wild I mean, if
2: he thing. comes back, and well, don't you remember that was on his phone?
0: No. When he got pulled over. So away. he
2: got pulled over, and, like, if
0: you look at That it,
1: was who was on his phone?
0: That was how it was listed in the phone, yeah. Oh. Okay, I've got a better That's question That's a good pet you. name. I pull. I got deep pulls, all right? Um. You remember, of course, uh, what was it, October of 2018 when Habib and Connor set a new UFC pay per view record, I believe at 2.4 million buys, besting the 1.65 ish that uh, Connor and, and Nate had done in their rematch. The next great pay per view fight that could beat Connor versus Habib Ooh. are the f- two fighters in question, even in the UFC and active at the moment. Is What's there, the yeah. next great crossover slam dunk pay per view that's going to rock the records? Do we, do we even have those fighters right now?
1: It is. It's John and Francis to me. I mean, that can
0: do over two mil. We have I argued so. together. I
1: think heavy people both, love heavyweights.
0: Exactly. Love I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I think it would sell gangbusters. Raiders I Stadium, Connor, bro. To be... Put it in the Raiders football stadium. okay? Yeah. Go about eighty grand. I of fans. think
1: the the um, not having John for a long time. Creates this like buildup of anticipation. It, if it was any John, if it was the second John Jones fight after he was returned, no. But the one where he was returned, where he returns, and if it's with a, an opponent like Francis, I don't think it does that with Stipe. But if it's Francis, I, I think I think it could. It's a
2: huge fight. I mean, there's no yeah. denying that. All right. Um, how long do you think Makachev holds the belt? In other words, who oh. is his toughest contender? These are now these are God. difficult questions. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, we have. A UFC commentator here, All right? I'll challenge her. Who's smashing through glass
0: ceilings? She's trying to climb out of this couch. She, she can't answer lost. these questions. You can get lost in that in that ass right? right there. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Based on what I saw in Abu Dhabi, I think he's going to have that title for a while.
2: He might, right? He might have that motherfucker for a while. A while. I couldn't – you know, it was funny. I was telling him there was this uh, there was this YouTube channel that was taking people's predictions pre-fight, and we both picked Makachev. Mm-hmm. But, like, even us, we were saying things like, you know, Charles has much better striking ahead of time, which, again, ahead of the fight, that was – th- all the evidence indicated that. And then okay. he goes in there and then just pulls all the pins out of the grenade. Yeah. I just could – I was like, what when the he, fuck?
1: When he lit Charles up in the first couple of seconds, I was like, oh,
2: shit. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Is- you know what? Javier Mendez, who I love – He'll say things like, dude, Makachev's the most complete fighter ever. And you're yeah. like, Makachev Makhachev handled Habib. Yeah. And, you're like, and you're like, Hav, I love you, you, but that's crazy. And yeah. then he goes and does that yeah. shit. And you're like, that fucking guy, Javier, might be telling the
1: truth. So that's when I start to really start get on these hype trains with people. When you get the gym lore. It's like the yeah. Bo Nickel thing. I know we have n- virtually no footage on Bo Nickel. But it's the stories that people from his camp... Tell you behind closed doors, off camera, yeah. in sheer honesty. Like, yeah, like in no. his
0: own way, he's a one of one like Brock Lesnar. Like in his own way, he's yeah. something just potentially extra special that we haven't seen. Yeah. That, could that possibly happen? Could Bo Nickel be that new hope, episode four? Young uh, Luke? I mean, that she can absolute tell. Absolute bitch. Young Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and so was his father, Anakin. Dude, have you oh, noticed how God. Star
2: Wars made <laughs> the most important figures whiny bitches? Anakin Skywalker? Uh-oh. You know a- that- a complete hoe. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. Luke <laughs> Luke Skywalker won't
0: stop crying. But when he when Luke put on the black huh. in episode 6 though, he was a bad.
2: Now, when he turns into Darth Vader, the whole the game changes, right? He becomes like the real one. But dude, did you notice the book. There's
1: that a both, lot to unpack
2: there. So Anakin and Anakin speaking. and Luke are two absolute whores. Like I feel like I'm more man than Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you are. You're more I, man I than. Would have to Do say You think that? they
1: did that intentionally to make it less intimidating like, oh, the average man can identify with this bitch.
2: Yeah, but isn't Anakin supposed to be all fucking
0: special on his midichlorian levels? Yes, dude, he's got yeah. so many, many chlorians. He outsmarted <laughs> that absolute <laughs> bitch, Widal, that flying bug, you Hold know you. let's go through this. I'm
1: so out of my depth right now on this. We're, we're,
2: we, uh, this will come out after the fight, so there's no way to get it up before then. But for 281, yeah. your thoughts on the main event, who's going to win? I mean,
0: this is not timely content. It's
2: not. I just want to hear it for the record. Okay, for Fuck the off. record. I can ask.
1: <laughs> I... This is a fascinating fight to me for so many reasons. And I i mean, I could geek out about this fight forever. When you watch their kickboxing competitions, you have to keep in mind a couple of things. First of all, and I had not really put two and two together about this, and this is not, someone's gonna turn this into a headline like Laura Sanko thinks. That's not an indication of my prediction. It's an interesting thing to take into consideration. When Alex Pereira fought Israel Adesanya, Izzy had, in glory kickboxing, Izzy had close to 100 kickboxing fights. Alex had around 20. So when you take into consideration that a relatively green Alex Pereira put on some really good performances, although I do actually think he lost the first one, but Agreed. regardless, yeah. very close, it was competitive, yeah. very competitive. When you think, man, his, his, his camp told me, because his coach, not Glover, of course, but Plinio Cruz, was my coach when I lived here in New York City. No way. So I called him up and I was like, bro, he like, give me, the, give me the scoop here. And he said, Laura, people don't understand how green Alex was when they first fought. Now, obviously, he's very green in MMA. And we can all agree that this sure. is a different sport. different. And To me, range. Range is the key in this one. Izzy has got to keep this where he's comfortable in the range. But I think Alex is going to pressure him in a way that not many people have had the yeah. psychology to do.
0: Or have been ballsy enough, but can sell it. Like where I mean, if you cross that line against Izzy, normally he's going to counter you and make you pay, and that's why people don't tend to do that. Alex does seem to have this villain at the end of the video game type of feel to him that he's like he's a motherfucker. He is right. He absolutely. I mean, you see that style and swag he's putting out. You know, Poetan, Poetan, right, Luke? I think that means uh, Stonehands. I mean still hands. All right, one thirty-five. Yeah.
2: Let's assume Aljo's out till June, and, and I'm going to make something up here. UFC wants to create an interim title. Okay. They might not. They might not. But if they did, who should fight for it?
1: Oh God, that's so difficult.
0: Yeah, that's the name of the game. It's an unforgiving. I don't sport. hate.
1: I don't hate. Oh, I'm gonna get absolutely crucified
2: if I push Sean
0: O'Malley in the- No, you're not. No. He's a I mean he's the fucking pick. number one contender. First of yeah. all, that's the pick, okay? So yeah.
2: I think it's I'm Sean O'Malley. You, you can pick you know? who he I I think that's a monster fight. Monster fight. I, you wouldn't go Hudo though.
1: I'm is, is he really? He's cringe. Is he
0: really? <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: love, I love Henry. I actually off-camera- I respect him, yeah. I love Henry. He is so different than his personality off-camera. He's the greatest. But I guess I'm. I'm. Is he coming back for sure? For sure? Like he's I know in a he's testing pool. Testing. Well, he I know. But seems
2: like he. I think he probably would for the right fights. Yeah. So well, they... I don't want
1: to see him versus Sean, necessarily.
2: Uh, that's, why not? <sighs> why don't you like? You great okay, though, okay so let's back up won. a step. You didn't find what Sean did against Piotr Jan all that convincing?
1: Oh no! I I I was one of the few people who thought he won the fight. I okay. had no problem with him. Winning that fight largely because I have a deep understanding of judging now, but uh, obviously a very close fight. I just I get I guess I get more excited personally by by Sean O'Malley Cheeto, and that's probably my bias toward like I just I want Cejudo to like actually be back before we start putting him in title pictures. Okay. But I would you're right you make a great point. I would love that fight.
2: Okay, so then let me see here at at 185. If Izzy wins, he almost certainly goes. To light heavyweight. He doesn't, yeah. even know, he doesn't even know who else would be there. But if he loses, it creates an interesting kind of conversation. Do you do the rematch if Izzy loses because Izzy has been this undefeated champion, or do you go to someone else? Because yeah. if Robert Whitaker ends up beating Paulo Costa, oh, dude, Robert Whitaker's a bad matchup you go for right to uh, Poiton. Yes. Like, it's funny that, yes. like, Izzy has two wins over a Robert, but if it was Robert versus Alex, I would feel a lot more comfortable just picking Robert. 100%. So what's the US going to do if that happens? If, if Izzy loses, if, if what if he do loses, you
1: do? I think you have to do a rematch. I think that that's what they would do.
0: You so you said no. No, I think um, you slide Robert Whitaker in there because then if he beats Padeda, the Robert Whitaker Adesanya trilogy suddenly has huge marketability and need when right now, I don't think you do need it. That would make you need it. And then an Adesanya Poeton rematch is always going to be their title or no title. You don't need a title, but you know, I'm, I'm just a scumbag, you know, you know what I mean? A, a scumbag <laughs> MMA media member, which, you know, brings me to probably the hardest question I could produce right now that I don't know if you're going to answer it.
1: Go, go. All right. Bring it.
0: You know, Luke said, I, I wouldn't ask her this. It's that's, it. that's a dick move. Dana White calls you up and says, look, um, you know, you've been doing great work, Okay. But I'm launching. I
1: need you do a better data impression?
0: You know, yeah, uh, yeah. This kid, he you know, well, yeah. Uh, no, um, you know, hey, what's up guys? No, I'm just <laughs> Um, you know, he's like, I'm launching the Slap Dick League and it's the biggest thing ever. It's gonna take over the world, and I need you to be the face of it. Slap dick? Like I'm sorry, dick slapping. Uh, what's it called, guys? You know the title? <laughs> Slap Slap White. It, Slap. I
2: think. No, it's Dana White's, because, uh, he. I mean, it's just the worst name. Dana White's Power Slap. Like oh, no, okay, Power, Power Slap. Right, He's white like, Power I need
0: you to be the face of Power Slap. Like, I need, like, you cannot be seen in public without a Power Slap t-shirt or sweatshirt on. You will be Power Slap. Your life is Power Slap. You tell him like, "Hey, that's really nice of you at all, but that shit's gonna fail, and I'm going after real fight calling." Okay, moving. I
1: probably forward. wouldn't call him a failure in the conversation, no. or or or. Okay, at him the very least, failure. would you say, you know, I there's say, better you know ways what? to
0: invest your money. There I just would, is, you know.
1: I would just say, I would just say, Dana, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity, yes. but I yeah. think probably someone else would be better suited. You know, that was
0: that was not an easy question. That was an honest rebuttal. Yeah, I respect that.
1: Yeah, I, it's not my thing.
0: But, it's not anybody's but, thing, but that's fine. Okay? I'm that's also fine, not, right? like, I'm
1: not mad at, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm not as mad at it as some people are, but it's not my thing.
2: Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I hate it, actually. Yeah, okay. so, <laughs> I think it's indefensible, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? All right, a couple more headlines. Hey, what should Kayla Harrison do?
1: Oh, man.
2: It's not a UFC topic, but it is always kind of UFC related with her a little bit. I what the fuck is she here. supposed to do? I
1: wish she would come here. At 145? Yes. I mean, we've got enough.
0: There's an answer that needs to happen first. They need to create the UFC women's heavyweight division, which is 135 to 155. Yes. That's his idea. I I think it's actually not a bad idea. And then Kayla comes in because she doesn't have to worry about cutting down. And anybody who is, you know, knows that they're a flyweight or strawweight is not going to go up to 135. But everybody, 135 is... There's no division anyway, so yeah. you just make it one big thing.
1: I've brought that up before, not not as specifically as you stated it, but the whole idea that there is no catch-all for these athletes yes. that can't make 135. Because let's be real, 145 is not a thriving division. So really, if you can't make 135, which I'm sorry, but like there are a lot of... Athletic women who can't make 135—that is not a—that's not a. Not body shaming here.
2: That's reality.
1: That is reality. And And you already
2: have a small pool to pull from to make competitive fights
0: anyway.
1: Yeah. So to to have a catch all where you could pull in some because I remember Invicta had a handful of 55er fights. It's great stuff.
0: Okay, but but with my romantic scenario, and by yeah. the way, people say, no way, Cyborg would ever step foot in the UFC octagon. again. I bet you they would for a women's heavyweight championship. That's me talking, not her. But here's the deal. How is that too much of an advantage for somebody like Kayla, who's basically a 55er, who said in the right circumstance she can make 45? If she's going in there against people that have you know, Ben weights for most of their life. Is that too much, or is this just what heavyweight is? I mean, look at heavyweight in boxing or MMA. Yeah. If you're a small heavyweight and you're facing a super heavyweight, it's going to feel like two to three divisions apart at times. It's going to be massive, you know? I
1: mean, that's the game you play in a in a catch-all division, and they would know that going in. And, you know, we to your point, we see that sometimes in the men's heavyweight division where yeah. people look massively different than their opponents do. And Randy Couture versus Brock Lesnar. Sometimes we're surprised by it, you know, and sometimes we're not.
2: That is very true. Um, okay. You might be surprised.
0: <laughs> what are you doing? I'm doing Showtime here. a comedy special. You're doing Bans? Bans? Showtime, <laughs> here? branded. I promote all the great Showtime shows. You might be surprised. Red Shoe Diaries, like, you know, I did like Red Morning Diaries Combat Strike well. Force yeah. Classics. That was another good show that we did during the pandemic. You, yeah. you got some TV money for that. Yeah, <laughs> you got
2: right. some TV <laughs> money. All, all right.
0: right. Yes. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, we have to get out of here. So we, I'm sorry that you had to endure this, but I think you know. I think it was wholesome. It was very wholesome. No,
1: I appreciate you guys having me. What well, can you
0: plug? What would you like to plug?
1: Well, I definitely want to plug uh, first and foremost Alta because that I'm super passionate right, about. Right, that Ulta. used to be
2: called Wimp to Warrior. Yes, rebrand. Alta well, yes. is
0: a better name. If I can way be better. He, way didn't EKC e. Leiden, the great yes, um, photojournalist, yes. do that? Yes, yes. yes.
1: To, to me, like I, I love being involved with them because to me, it's like it's very similar to my journey into MMA. I did it for you know, psychological, mental health reasons, the training, and then I sort of just got sucked into fighting. But training MMA can be life-changing on on so many levels, and to have them take it where the everyday guy, the accountant, whoever, can experience a little bit of what it's like and and get that benefit of the sport. I love, love, love it. I love it.
2: Uh, What about your YouTube stuff, the one-on-one?
1: One-on-one, baby. Yeah.
2: Who produces that?
1: Uh, Bet three six five. So it's a it's a sponsored channel. I have a yeah. I have a deal with them. And
2: I couldn't tell if that was a UFC property or not.
1: They are. So I did. I I got the um, connection through the UFC. So they are. They're the biggest betting uh, partner of the UFC outside of the United States. In fact, they are. They're big
2: in Europe, right?
1: Outside of the United States, they are. I mean, by far, they dwarf every other.
2: They're like Hasselhoff
0: in Germany. They
1: are like. (laughs)
0: Pre or post burger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think they have like 70 million subscribers. It's a huge, I had no idea. Center. I had no concept because they're not, they don't have a presence here. So um yeah, it came through the UFC. So that's why it has like a, a UFC feel to it. And, but thank goodness. Cause yeah, I, I can't handle the editing and the, I, I, I you'd get nothing from it. All
0: me. right. I got one more question that Luke said, don't ask her, do not <laughs> fucking ask her if you have any respect for yourself, but it's a, been a this is almost certainly a It's been a long debate between us. Look, some people have gone on record and make declarations and it just becomes fact. joanna Young-Jacek once said, Brett Okamoto is the well, best the fuck looking are we doing? MMA journalist in the game oh, today. God. I really like Brett, but should we update that? <laughs>
1: This is so fucking awkward, Brian. Yeah, this is Why would you worse. do that? To me? That,
2: was, that was the point. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. dude. He just rolls a you fucking know, we grenade can, look, in the room, and no, no. Look, like, so, what, what, what do you assholes jump on it? I try, oh you know,
0: God. I try to get my best pitch over the plate, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it misses. Right? You <laughs> know, sometimes it misses. Yeah. Let's
1: yeah. just sit here and, and and compare all our peers, shall we? Yeah. That won't get weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure John has other shirts besides the blue one. I'm sure he does. You
2: know <laughs> well, I'm partners with him now, so my career is going great. Yeah, we're good. You know. Glad
0: you're here, Brian. Good run. Thank you, though. For, thank you for this. And also, this. I love Brett. I
1: love you, and I love you. We'll yeah, well, I'm
0: down. really I mean, glad. Brett's handsome that, as shit. Yeah. Yeah, he is. certainly is. You know it's what I mean? Why don't you do go that. bang him? How about that? <laughs> scratch uh, that can itch. Can I just be platonic friends with another <laughs> male journalist? I mean, <laughs> scratch me. that itch. He's a great guy. You know, I would love to get him on this show one day. You know? Yeah, and you could bang him right here. And be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. be All right. All
2: right. All right. All right. On that note, so there's one on one on YouTube. Yeah. You'll be back on contender series. I will. When does the next season start?
1: I never know. No, usually summer, next summer.
2: Summer, there you summer. go, and then maybe the just maybe week. 2023. Laura Sanko, UFC Fight Night That's commentator, all- right?
1: Come on, Brian, bring, mean, it bring, it hey, 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 hey. bring it in. forget no, about just maybe she's
0: coming. Bring it in. You know, we're not going You know, when you're when you're coming on, you're coming on. She's she's going for it. She's making moves, and I and I I don't have to wish you luck because I I you know from talking to you, I know what you're made of, and you're going after it, and I Thank I you. can appreciate your your effort and your hustle in this. So uh, great things to come.
1: I appreciate that. They can't
0: stop the hard work. That's right. Congratulations.
1: I'll be on the desk next weekend, so look for that. Only up from there.
2: There she is. Laura Sanko, everyone. UFC pioneer. (laughs) Take that, Brett. (laughs) Oh, my God.